Wow, wow, wow. For the first time, ladies and gentlemen, in a month, the New York Giants are on the winning side of a game. And for the first time in four years, for the first time in four years, they are on the side of victory in a primetime game. And the first time in like six years, they're on the side of winning in terms of a Sunday night football game. And I was really looking forward to this, but... Welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx YouTube channel. Um, welcome back to the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, all those different platforms. Um, like, comment, subscribe to all the good stuff. Appreciate all the new subscriptions. We're really trying to go ahead and reach a 900 subscriber mark by the end of the year. So if you guys can help, like, comment, do all the good stuff, uh, help us with the algorithm, share out. Really helps out a lot, but I still appreciate that we're growing this much uh, throughout these last few weeks. So thank you so much. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate it. So, oh boy, the New York Giants. It wasn't a very pretty game, right? It's not where a team's thrown for 300 yards and the other team's thrown for 400 yards. or It's not like the Bills-Chiefs-AFC game last year in the playoffs. No, it was not that way. It was old school football. And all I got to say is this pass rush, man. And there's one man in particular I think we got to talk about when we get to that. But the fact that the Giants won this game, and I'm going to be completely honest, this game, you could obviously say, well, the pass rush, right? Um, different guys there, and certain guys on offense, certain guys on defense made it happen. But you know who made it happen? In my opinion, he's not getting that much credit. Brian Dable, and I think the entire coaching staff. You could agree with some of the principles on offense. You could disagree with some of the principles on offense and the procedures and the tendencies, right? But at the end of the day, this offense, we know it's not very good. The defense, I mean... They allowed a couple of big explosive plays, right? Obviously, that one downfield to Jahan Dotson allowed by uh, Jason Pinnock. I mean, that was a killer, but the New York Giants just held them every single fucking time. I mean, there was one, obviously, drive where uh, Nick McLeod allowed a touchdown. But also, I mean, credit to Daniel Jones for one thing. I'm going to go over him in a you know bigger uh, time span, if you want to call it that. But I'm going to go over him on a bigger emphasis when we get to the offense, of course. But that 97-yard drive, I mean, that was all him. That was all him. Saquon, when we needed him most to kind of seal the game out, even though it was going to come down to our defense, he was there. Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James doing things. So we got to get to the stats because I want to talk about this game so much. Um, keep doing all the good stuff, guys. Just going to take a sip. So... You look at the quarterbacks, Daniel Jones, 21-32, 160 yards, 5 yards per throw. No sacks. That's actually pretty surprising. Uh, I feel like there was a sack, but no sacks. I mean, that's that's pretty good. I mean, that's on Daniel Jones. That's on the offensive line. Um, you know, there were maybe one or two holding penalties. But overall, I mean, with the expectations this offensive line had coming into this game, they played pretty darn well. Um, 77.6 passer rating. Taylor Heineke, 17-29, 249 yards, 8.6 yards per throw. Um, one touchdown pass, three sacks taken for 21 yards, and 98.2 passer rating. Giants running game, 
Um, you know, obviously didn't heat up till later on, but I like the way Mike Kafka did with the tendencies, right? We'll talk about that a little later on, of course. Uh, Saquon Barkley, 18 carries, 87 yards, 4.8 yards per carry, and a touchdown. Daniel Jones, 10 carries, 35 yards. I was surprised they didn't use him a little bit more as a runner this game, but, you know, Washington probably studied that on the film. Matt Breed also two carries for six yards. Um, Brian Robinson, he had another day against the Giants. He ran all over us, going to be completely honest. 12 carries, 89 yards, 7.4 yards per carry. Taylor Heineke, 3 carries, 33 yards. Antonio Gibson, 5 carries, 21 yards. Diami Brown had a rush for 15, and Curtis Samuel had 5 rushes for 1 yard. Giants receiving game. Top receivers, I'll name 4 just right off the bat. Richie James, 4 receptions, 42 yards. Isaiah Hodgins, 4 receptions, 37 yards. Saquon Barkley, 5 receptions, 33 yards. And Darius Slayton, 5 receptions, 23 yards. Now, Washington-wise, Jahan Dotson, 4 receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Um, Terry McLaurin, six rushes, excuse me, six receptions, 70 yards. Curtis Samuel, three catches, 44 yards. And Brian Robinson had an 18 yard reception. Um, fumble wise, Taylor Heineke fumbled twice, lo- lost both of them. One recovered by Leonard Williams and one recovered by Thibodeau. Obviously, we know it was a touchdown. Um, Dexter Lawrence forced the one that Leonard Williams recovered. Brian Robinson fumbled out of bounds. Antonio Gibson, um, Fumbled, but it was recovered by himself. Aziz Ojolari forced that one out, and then Darius Slayton um, fumbled, but he recovered it. Top performers for the Giants' defense. Um, they'll go to the Washington defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, he was the lead tackler. He was the lead guy in terms of tackle for a loss. Um, quarterback hits, he only had one, but multiple pressures. I really feel that maybe he got more hits on the quarterback than they're garnering him. Uh, one sack, obviously, that was big. Uh, let's see who else is Zizo Jolari, two quarterback hits, half a sack, four tackles. Uh, Landon Collins, I thought was pretty good. And so was Tony Jefferson. Ryder Anderson, second game with a sack, two tackles, a tackle for loss, a quarterback hit and a sack, a sack as I already mentioned. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, three quarterback hits, half a sack, a forced fumble. And then, um, trying to see if I missed anyone in terms of the quarterback hits and whatnot. Jason Pinnock had a quarterback hit, a key quarterback hit. Now, they obviously kicked the field goal after that, but um, if he would have came maybe just two seconds before, he would have forced another fumble. But Jason Pinnock, I mean, he had a pretty mixed day. I love him. I love him as a pass rusher, though. I mean, when he comes off that edge, nobody sees him. He had a big hit uh, against the Texans, I believe it was, to force uh, like a big third down or whatever it was. And he also has, I think, one and a half sacks on the season, so that's also good. Um, Leonard Williams, even though a lot of people don't really, you know, attribute him to any of the stuff, right, you know, tackles or anything like that. And uh, for some reason, I'm looking at ESPN right now, he isn't on the stat sheet, but I feel like he got a couple of pressures in there. Obviously, he had the recovered fumble, and he really paved way, in my opinion, for the uh, Dexter Lawrence sack, and he paved way for the Ryder Anderson sack. So once again, those are things that you can't really pick up on the stat sheet. Uh, You have to watch the film, you have to watch the game, and your eyeballs will tell you that. So the Giants in total had three sacks, eight quarterback hits, obviously one defensive touchdown, and four tackles for loss. Now you look at Washington, no sacks at all. Once again, I thought that was pretty surprising. Um, I would have thought maybe one, two, three, four, maybe, but you know, 
They really couldn't succeed on that side. Four quarterback hits, two by James Smith-Williams, and two by Montez Sweat. In terms of tackle for loss, it was only one, Jonathan Allen, and that was when um, Saquon was bottled up in the backfield. John Feliciano was the perpetrator in terms of giving up that uh, that big stop there. So team stats-wise, the Giants had 19, and the Washington Commandos had 20 first downs in terms of passing first downs they had 10 we had eight we had 11 rushing first downs and Washington had nine first downs from penalties they had one I believe it was probably a holding penalty maybe an offsides but I'm pretty sure it was a holding penalty uh third down efficiency two for 10 the Giants one for 10 Washington some night the team was good on third down once again this is a game if you're looking for offense this ain't your type if you're a defense guy, if you're a running game guy, this is the game that you would probably be interested in, right? Um, fourth down efficiency, the Giants were one for one, and we're going to get to Brian Dable. We're going to get to Brian Dable. Um, they were one for two. Total plays, 62 for the Giants, 58 for Washington. Um, total yards, 288 for the Giants, and Washington at 387. Ten total drives for each team. Giants had 4.6 yards per play, 6.7 Yards per play for Washington. Uh, red zone attempts, they were one for three. We were one for one, so, you know, 100%. And our percentage is actually pretty high in the red zone, which, you know, for an offense that's not very good, not very efficient, uh, screams positives if you want to be honest with yourself. Penalties, the Giants had five for 30 yards and six for 40 yards for Washington. They had two turnovers, two fumbles lost. We had one defensive touchdown, and the difference between time of possession was a minute. Wow. Okay, so they had 30-30, we had 29-30. You split that in half, I mean, 30 and then obviously 30, but anyway. Let's go to the offense, and I guess maybe, should I start with Daniel Jones and Barkley, or should I start with the efficiency and, you know, the game plan? I'm going to really teeter off the game plan. So... This is a game I'm not going to criticize Kafka too much for, and I've been a big critic of his for the last few weeks. What did I like about his tendencies? Now, earlier in the game, you did see some first down runs, right? And I'm not charting it this game because this really wasn't the game to chart that type of shit. Um, you know, because it was obviously this this beatdown, 80s, ty- 80s style running game, defense, all this other stuff. It wasn't offensive heavy on either side I mean if you want to consider the running game for them but it's not like they put up 30 points and to be completely honest with you guys I mean I know there's a lot of people in that old school all defense running game mindset um compared to the new age analytics and passing game that's kind of why I say look you can sit here and run Barkley for 135 yards and 35 carries it's not going to win you the game every single time you need to put it in the end zone I mean some of those plays um don't always go in the end zone at the end of the day, yeah, Brian Robinson, two games in a row against the Giants, had a really successful day. But if you don't have the quarterback to get it done, if your quarterback makes mistakes, um, it's just not going to do anything. If you don't trust your quarterback, if the quarterback makes mistakes, whatever, it's just not going to do it. So there's that. But what did I like most from Mike Kafka this game? Now, I do like the short passing game. One critic of mine or I should say critique of mine is that they didn't try the long ball. Now, they did play a lot of too high safety but you got to at least put it in the air that you want to go deep once or twice because, you know, they'll obviously adjust and then you could start doing the, the short passing game and, 
you know, a little bit more of the running game. So I disagree, and I've disagreed with this for a while, that, all oh, the Giants offensive line, that's why they can't, you know, pass protect whatever, or that's why they can't go down the field. Um, you know, I agree with that in a little bit, but against Dallas, and I'm not going to – maybe those two defensive lines are similar. I feel like interior pressure, obviously that's more of Washington's forte. And around the tackles, well, that's Dallas's forte. But obviously, you know, on that one play, Darius Slate in the Cowboy game, Mark Lewinsky got his ass beat. So compare the defensive lines, if you will. But the Giants, in my opinion, could have attempted a couple of deep throws. Um, but that's just one critique. We won the game. Um, obviously, the game plan will change. Now, you look ahead a week. Um, well, not even a week because we play on a Saturday. That's maybe something you could take advantage of with Minnesota. And obviously, you know, the Colts put up 33, choked that lead. Obviously, that's that's a whole subject. Um, but I feel like now, obviously, you look at our wide receiver core, it's nothing. But their defense isn't very good. So maybe you could try some of that stuff. Maybe they didn't want to put it on film. So, okay, we face the Vikings. Maybe we do take a couple of deep shots. But overall, what I really, really liked, and maybe I didn't even allude to this yet, is the short running game. First part of the game, you really saw Saquon Barkley. Look at the stat sheet. Ah, oh, he's not that efficient. But how many runs got first downs? Let's go back to the team stats really quickly, right? Rushing first downs, 11. So whether it was Daniel Jones carrying the ball, and he didn't carry the ball, you know, too often outside of scrambles. They said 10, but how many design runs did he actually have? They passed the ball more on first down, and that's what I've been saying these last few weeks. Pass the ball more on first down. You can open up the running game that way. And that's what they did. You know, did you see like 20 yards a carry and, you know, a 15-yard explosive play? You didn't really see that till the end of the game because the defense was very worn out until they started stacking the box and the Giants, you know, ran it and they started getting stopped a little bit, but obviously they put themselves in field goal range. So I, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think this was one of the better games by Mike Kafka. Now, once again, the deep thing I do have an issue about but because of what you're working with and what the situation is, I think he did enough in his own right um, to where the Giants obviously were able to win the game and salvage their playoff chances. Um, I'll get to Jones and Saquon in a minute, but Brian Dable has balls for two reasons, for two reasons. Obviously... They've been playing some conservative stuff the last few weeks, playing not to lose against the Commanders the first time um, and all these other different things. And then, you know, week one, obviously, we're calling day balls. Yeah, you know, he, he went for two. So the first thing, the first thing, right, fourth and nine, the offense lines up on the field. I'm like, oh, shit, what, what, what? Okay, they're probably just going to call a timeout and be done with it. No. They call the timeout. They call the timeout. And then they get back on the field. I'm like, oh, fuck. What are we doing here, people? And then Daniel Jones hangs in the pocket, fires one to Richie James. Richie James is, you know, I've complained about him, obviously, at times. Uh, he's the garbage time touchdown master. And we really haven't had too much confidence in him in the return game. But he is a guy that Daniel Jones just trusts to move the chains uh, on third and longs, fourth and longs. And once again, they wanted this game. 
It was a grit and grind game. I really don't play. I really, excuse me. I don't really think that the Giants played to lose this game. My personal opinion. I don't think they were too conservative on any aspects. If you guys disagree in the comments, please tell me. But fourth and nine, man, that was just a gamble. I was like, oh my God, did we actually do this? And then they made it. And then I think that was the same drive where Daniel Jones had the 97-yard drive, you know, to put us in the end zone. So um, shout-outs to Daniel Jones for executing. Same thing with Richie James, Brian Dable, man. Uh, he knows what's at stake here, obviously. It's the mentality of, okay, compete for today, build for tomorrow. It's about the future with this team. But, I mean, getting your team in the playoffs and maybe just getting bounced, I personally think that's a step in the right direction. Now, people will say no, but you have to build off of it properly. The Giants did not do that in 2016. Instead, they they bought in. They really didn't fix up the offensive line. Uh, they didn't draft well that year either. And... Uh, you look at the Eagles in 2021. They got bounced. They got slaughtered. Absolutely slaughtered by the Buccaneers. And now they're one of the top powerhouses because they've had some successful drafts. They have some good coaching over there. So, you know, just a comparison. Obviously, the Giants are probably not going to be like the Eagles in philosophy. But, once again, just a small, tiny glimpse of the playoffs. And you could be bought in with that type of stuff. Um, so, that's why I am with Dable. That's number one. Number two is when the challenge happened. And, you know, when they started running with the ball backwards going, you know, towards the Giants' end zone, when Larry Williams picked it up, like, okay, he's down. He's it's not going to do anything. So the first glimpse I looked at, the replay, right? And they said, oh, Giants are challenging. I'm like, no, 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 don't, don't, do not challenge us. Why are you fucking challenging it? I literally said that. I'm being dead serious when I say that. And then I look at the replay again. And then the announcers are saying in the background, the ball is coming loose as he is going into the ground. So I'm like, holy shit. This is a very close call, and we're about to get the ball back. And it was just a instant change in momentum because, you know, obviously they had a lot of things happened at the end of the game, but they could have punched it in there. Now, obviously, Taylor Heineke was sacked, and obviously that had, you know, an impact either way. There was going to be a fumble or he was down by contact. Uh, but they still had a chance, obviously, because the Giants were very – meh in certain situations obviously McLeod was was not very good this game I don't think our corners played well in this game either but just the balls by Dable I'll put it that way obviously defense is its own separate entity it's its own separate subject um so yeah short yardage dink and dunk passing game I thought Daniel Jones had a solid first half second half not really if I'm gonna be completely fair um I think Saquon more was efficient in the second half. I think everyone had their own halves. Daniel Jones' first half, second half was uh, Saquon. And Daniel Jones obviously spearheaded that 97-yard drive. They really didn't have much of a running game. And then Saquon, I mean, when the team needed him most, he didn't go out of bounds. He just ran all over the field. Um, Daniel Jones obviously kept one on that drive before the field goal attempt by Graham Gano. And Graham Gano, man... I'm considering getting a Graham Gano jersey. He he probably leads the Giants in points over the last three years, like you know, more like any unlike anybody else. But in terms of disappointments, inconsistencies, all of those sort of stuff, um, Darius Slayton, I 
to be honest, I'm very disappointed in him. Now, obviously, you know, he has his good games, he has his bad games, but one of those passes in the first part of the game he should have caught. Um, I guess they kind of spried away from him um, as the game went on. Obviously, there was those short RPO-like passes to the sideline. He, he did a good job with that. Fumbled it, and you know, towards the end of the game, and thankfully the Giants got it back. Uh, and he recovered it, but yeah, I thought he was just a little consistent. Now, obviously, there wasn't much movement in the passing game, but I'm still encouraged by Isaiah Hodgins. Uh, he's looked really good. Richie James, I mean, he had a good game, probably his best game in a few weeks. So, shots to them. And O-line did better than expected. Evan Neal struggled a little bit, but it wasn't as bad as against the Eagles. Uh, Feliciano Glowinski, I thought Glowinski had a decent game. It wasn't like he was getting blown up all of a sudden. Um, but there were some times where, you know, it was a run play and Saquon would run and he would just break out of a tackle because Glowinski missed a block. Um, also, I'm a little disappointed in just maybe it was obviously that throw coming out of the end zone. Um, Bellinger, that was behind him. I agree that Daniel Jones should have put that more on the money, 100%. Now, could Bellinger catch that? Maybe. But I, I just feel like he could have had a little bit better of an impact, my personal opinion. I think there was one pass he could have caught that would have moved the chains, but um, obviously it's not the case. Um, so a little disappointing to him, but after all, he's going to be a blocking tight end, and we know where we are with Daniel Bellinger. And listen, he has some bad games. He had some really good games to start the season. This is going to be part of the developmental process. Um, but talked about Feliciano, Glowinski. Really didn't see much from Thomas in terms of, you know, uh, Good, bad, and different. You know, he played his usual game. Um, Nick Gates, uh, I didn't really see anything too bad from him. I mean, he is a solid pass protector, as solid as they come. One guy that everybody's forgetting about, and people have started to light Twitter up with this, and I absolutely agree. Give Ben Bredesen his flowers. When he came in, in the second quarter, and more towards the fourth as well, you saw that running game light up a little bit more. Now, obviously, Gates is a good run blocker. He's a good pass blocker. He's solid overall. Um, but I would just I just wish that they would put Feliciano out of the lineup and put Gates and Bredesen because I feel like, you know, obviously there's quote-unquote continuity with Bredesen at left guard, you know, center being Feliciano and Glowinski and Neal. There's obviously this continuity on the line right there. But how good is the continuity? I mean, obviously off this game, they'll say, okay, we didn't give up any sacks, so that's a good thing. And we're going to continue rolling with this lineup. Next week, it might actually put you uh, in a bad spot because they do have a solid defensive line over there in Minnesota. But Ben Bredesen, man, I mean, obviously Shane Lemieux came off IR. He played like shit, going to be completely honest. Ben Bredesen, man, he he needs to stay here next year. I don't know what his contract situation is. Um, I think he's got like the full four years because Detroit traded. That's Detroit, Jesus Christ. Baltimore traded him in his rookie year, actually after his rookie year. So, I mean, he's got... Maybe another year here, but he needs to be extended on a short-term thing um, because he's played really well this season, really well, and you know a lot of people didn't expect that. So, take a sip. We're going to talk about the defense. Let's talk about that defense. Kayvon Thibodeau, 
Primetime likes me. You know, he talks his talk, but he walked the walk. Now, obviously, it was 8 o'clock at night when this game was happening, right? 8 to 11, 11.30, whatever. There was only really one time I screamed out of excitement. That was a Kayvon fumble. That was the Kayvon fumble, forced fumble, recovery, touchdown. And I was screaming, Kayvon! Tibbs! Kayvon! He had an awesome night under the light. This was probably the best game he's had this year. Because he's got 12 tackles. He didn't even know that in the interview with Josina Anderson. She goes, yeah, you had 12 tackles. He goes, 12 tackles. And, you know, obviously his teammates are smiling in the background. So he had 12 tackles. He was the leading tackler. He gets the forced fumble, puts up seven on the board. And we saw him just totally take advantage in the running game. You can sit here and say, oh, he was unblocked on some stuff, whatever. He made the plays. There was one play where he misread um, whatever was coming. I, I want to say Heineke took off or somebody took off. Um, he misread it like he pursued the quarterback too much and the runner just you know skipped and went out right. And he pursued and he made the tackle even though he fucked up originally. So the Giants have a player for the future. The Giants really have a nice pass rush for the future. And I know people are saying, nah, Leonard Williams, he's not really, you know, on the stat sheet, this, that, and the other thing. You know, if you could maybe extend him in a way you just layer out the money for the next few years so he could be with the team, I don't have an issue with that. But back to Kayvon, man, I mean, I think he's got three sacks on the year. He's got two forced fumbles, one touchdown. Both of those forced fumbles came, you know, in crucial situations, so... Um, you know, I'm very happy, man. I wanted to see a little bit more production out of him. I wasn't a guy that said he's lazy, this, that, and the other thing. I was happy when they drafted him. Uh, the Giants have a player. The Giants have a player for the future, man. Um, but overall, I, I'm very excited about this pass rush. And I think one person in terms of depth excites me too. So, you know, the pass rush, Ojolari, uh, he made some crucial quarterback hits. Dexter Lawrence obviously forced the fumble. Leonard Williams made a couple of sacks happen just by maneuvering offensive linemen in the pocket. And one player, once again, I mentioned him when we were going over the defensive stats, Ryder Anderson. Now, obviously, once again, you can make case, oh, well, you know, Kayvon made his sack last game or, you know, with somebody else, maybe it was Dex. Um, but somebody made a sack last game, and this game, Leonard Williams made a sack. Well, listen, he's been playing really good in the run. He's been playing well in terms of pass rush keep him on the roster he is on the roster keep him next year because you know out of all these undrafted free agents we didn't expect Ryder Anderson to have that much of an impact so shout outs to him let me say something and I don't have his fucking jersey right now if I brought it down with me into the recording studio it would have served a great purpose Landon Collins was the best inside linebacker on the field and he's not even an inside linebacker how many times PFF grades him poorly for some reason because they're fucking weird. Like they'll they'll grade Jason Pinnock with, with like an eighty six, right? Even though, yeah, he played solid, but he gave up a big deep play to uh, Jahan Dotson, which obviously it's a fucking mismatch every single day of the week. And Taylor Heineke, good, he eyed that. But back to Landon Collins, I have been screaming from the rooftops about him getting activated these last few weeks. I'm like, 
how worse is he than the linebacking core we have? He was the best inside linebacker on the field. Give him, give him a 53-man roster spot right now. Because, let me tell you something. Is the run defense obviously going to shoot up in terms of you know stopping runners with him? It's not going to shoot up. But he made some really nice plays against his former team on Sunday. I mean, it was unbelievable. He was the best inside linebacker on the field. Dipping around the edge to make tackles, pursuing gaps. He, he was awesome. He was awesome. I mean, Jalen Smith didn't have much of an impact. Michael McFadden was okay. But Landon Collins, man, he needs to play more. He needs to get activated more. He needs to be on the 53. And that's just what it needs to be at the end of the day. If you want to put Shane Lemieux on IR, do something like that. Go ahead and bring Landon Collins on the roster because I'm tired of him staying on the practice squad, getting cold. No. Against some of these teams we face in the next three weeks. Now, I have no idea what Philly's going to do. I am going to assume that they're going to play their starters because if they get the bye week for the playoffs, for the number one seed, they really don't want to rest their starters, you know, maybe because they don't want to be too cold coming off of. Uh, you know, whatever game they have in week 17, they want to be cold and they want to enter the playoffs hot. So there's that a B, they probably want to eliminate us or have the shot at eliminating us from the playoffs. So, you know, you still have tough runners like Boston Scott, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell is more of a receiving back. Um, you know, the week before that, the game I'll be going to the Colts game, Jonathan Taylor. I don't know if he's going to be out for that game though which is going to be interesting. I mean, I didn't watch too much of the second half of that Colts-Vikings game, but if he's injured, I mean, that's going to be big for the Giants. Um, We'll see what happens. But next week, Saturday, Dalvin Cook. He knows how to cook run defenses. He knows how to cook run defenses. So Landon Collins would be pretty big for that matchup. He'd be pretty big. Um, Ben don't break philosophy on the defensive side of the ball. Pinnock, Holmes, Moreau, and McLeod struggled. Rodarius Williams benched. I just don't understand why. Now, obviously, my philosophy changes just a tad if we go towards, okay, you know, Dory's going to play this week. I don't know if he's going to play this week. Hopefully he does, but I'm not going to put my cards on it because it's been, you know, oh my God, he's going to play. Oh, he's not going to play. Whatever. Um, but... Rodarius Williams need to pl- needs to play. I-, I feel that he could be a player for the future. Not a starter, but a slot guy. I mean, Holmes is getting cooked. He he gets cooked in man coverage. And I don't know what this coaching staff needs to see week after week after week to put Rodarius Williams on the field. And he obviously, we all know why he's in the doghouse. Because he made that tweet against... Uh, you know, the commanders, he made that tweet and said, you know, some about playtime, whatever. Um, Tay Crowder, I mean, obviously, I don't harp on him too much because Landon Collins had such an excellent game that he should be the one getting you know, snaps over Tay Crowder, over Jalen Smith. But Radarius Williams, man, you know, if a Dory comes back and Fabian Moreau switches back to that two, which obviously he's not a number one corner. He's not a number one corner anywhere except the XFL. Um, you know, you could shift Radarius Williams in the slot until Cordell Flott is ready. And I'm going to be completely honest. I thought Cordell Flott had a decent game. Now, obviously, that's because I haven't looked at the film yet, A. B, other than one play where he just got mutilated by John Bates on a running play, 
you know, he didn't get targeted a ton. I didn't really see his name all over the field. I saw Pinnock obviously giving up that big reception, Jahan Dotson. Uh, Fabian Moreau was getting toasted a little bit. Darnay Holmes was getting toasted. McLeod obviously gave up a couple of nice receptions. So, um, you know, obviously this is a pain point for the Giants. These guys are just depth guys. But they got to decide something within the next few weeks over Darnay Holmes, right? Is he an actual part of the future? Do you really want your slot guy getting burned like that? Or are you rather shift towards Cordell Flott? I mean, that's just something they have to do. But I don't want to overwhelm this with too many negative things because the defense played out of their mind. And to be honest, yeah, they had three sacks in the game. If we had a Dory back there covering McLaurin, I don't know. Maybe it's four, five, six sacks. My personal opinion, because there's a lot of times they got there. A lot of times they got there. If we had at least two decent corners, it would it would change the game up a little bit more. Stock up, stock down, and then we'll go to snap count. Uh, I'm also, I also just question why Dane Belton is not playing. Now, people say, oh, you know, missed assignments, all these other different things. But, I mean, how worse is he than some of the guys we have on the roster? I don't know, to be honest, but... I don't think he's any worse. Um, you know, maybe you play him against the Vikings. Maybe you play him against some of these teams that run the ball really well. That's just my philosophy. Um, but stock up, pass rush, Landon Collins, Isaiah Hodgins, Richie James, Cordale Flott. Stock down, other linebackers, corners outside of Flott, Daniel Bellinger, Darius Slayton. Uh, stock up also, I'm going to add Ben Bredesen in there. I thought he had a really good game, as I mentioned. Um... Landon Collins, obviously, I added in, and I don't think I'm missing anybody. Let's go to the snap count and finish up. Offensive snap counts, Daniel Jones, John Feliciano, Mark Lewinsky, Evan Neal, and Andrew Thomas played 100% of the snaps. Daniel Bellinger, 98. Um, Darius Slayton, 94%. Isaiah Hodgins, 89%. Saquon Barkley, 86%. Richie James, 79%. Ben Bredesen, 67%. Nick Gates, 33%. Matt Breida, 17%. Nick Vanette, 16%. Chris Myrick, 10%. Julian Love, 3%. Um, Marcus Johnson, 3%. Obviously, Julian Love gets 3% because he had the two kneel downs. So, yeah, he gets offensive snaps, right? Got more offensive snaps than Kenny Galladay. Um, Tyree Phillips, 2%. Kenny Galladay, 2%. And Lawrence Cager, 2%. And I'm surprised Cager is not playing a little bit more, but I guess they recognized, hey, we need blocking tight ends and Lawrence Cager necessarily isn't that. So you look at the defense. Fabian Moreau played 100% of the snaps. Obviously, he's the number one corner at this point. Jason Pinnock, 92. Leonard Williams, 84. I'm surprised that Julian Love didn't play as many there. Actually, let me see because I know that sometimes snap counts get mixed up. Okay, so he did play 100%. So 100% for Pin- uh, not Pinnock, Moreau and Love. Pinnock, 92. Williams, 84%. Aziz Ozlori, 81%. 79% for Kayvon Thibodeau. Jalen Smith, 78%. Nick McLeod, 73%. Sharing that with Dexter Lawrence. 67% for Darnay Holmes. 49% for Micah McFadden. 43% for Landon Collins. Uh, Jihad Ward, 41%. 30% for Tony Jefferson, who I will add to the uh, stock up section. I thought he played really well. Uh, Cordell Flott, 30%. Henry Mondo, 19%. Same thing with Ryder Anderson. Justin Ellis as well. Timon Fox, 13%. And O'Shane Zimenez, 10% as well. Like, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops your drops. Appreciate y'all coming back. Let's get to that 900 mark by the end of the year. 
Uh, just some channel updates. Obviously, this is coming out on Tuesday. Wednesday is Twin Bill and probably another video on the channel. Uh, Thursday, No Dead Red. I will be at the Jets-Jaguars game at MetLife, freezing my nuts off, seeing if the Jets can uh, try to win some games for a playoff berth. Um, Friday is the Friday Night Knicks podcast. We'll give you a time once we get closer to the date. Uh, also, as well, that's going to be a little bit in conflict. We'll update you as well because of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast, and the game's on a Saturday, so this can be quite interesting. Um, maybe we'll still have the uh, podcast come out on a Monday or a Tuesday, whatever, but we'll update you guys. Obviously, it's going to be a wild week. Peace out, guys. See you later. Stay cool. Let's go Big Blue.